could go sit next to the bear. What's that? Sorry. I said I could go sit next to the bear. Oh, no. I think the deer heads are a lot better because he's an absolute whitetail slayer. I think that's Perfect. kind of uh, what he's known for. Oh, it's... Oh, it asked for my permission for you to record me. Okay. Let's... I've never had that before. Okay. Here we go. Um, so I guess... I probably ought to start with like the story of what happened. I guess for the people just listening to, I should probably introduce you again. So welcome back, mom. Hi, Lisa Trainer. Okay. Mom. Yeah, mom. <laughs> so about, I don't know, it's probably the end of December. Started having a lot of problems sleeping regularly. Like it wasn't that bad then, um, but like there'd be, you know, occasional nights where I'd, I'd wake up at 4 a.m. or 6 a.m. Uh, and that'd only be like four or five hours of sleep for me at that time. Um, and I didn't really know why I would wake up kind of hot a lot of times. So at first I thought that the heat was uh, bothering me, like the heat being on the house since it kind of, you know, had been warm through most of December. I remember in uh, during rifle season, there was one night I took a an Instagram story video of me and dad hunting in shorts. Mm. Um, so it didn't really get cold until like the end, towards the end of December. Um, but yeah, so it was just kind of intermittent then. And then once January came around, it was a lot more uh, routine, like especially towards the end of January, pretty much every night that I wasn't working. I was only sleeping like three or four hours at a time. And uh, so I'd wake up, couldn't fall back asleep, and I would stay up till it would just kind of depend. Um, you know, a lot of times I would fall back asleep at like noon to two, sometimes it'd be like four or whatever, and I'd sleep for like three or four hours and then just keep repeating the same cycle over and over. And then there'd be nights where I'd try not to like take that nap or whatever so I could, you know, in my head, I was, I thought that I'd be able to sleep a lot better, uh, running on no sleep, but then that, you know, the same cycle just continued. That didn't help me at all. Um, so yeah, that's kind of when I started texting you about it. It's probably about end of January, beginning of February and then February. Yeah. That was just miserable. It was awful because I basically hadn't slept in three months. So what were your initial thoughts on that? So I knew you were having trouble sleeping and um, regardless of how old your kids get, you still worry, right? I knew you had made a lot of changes to get healthy, but it seemed like some of the stuff, if it were re truly related to your diet, like per se, like your um, restricting carbs. I don't know if you refer to it as keto, but what, whatever level of carbs you were on should have happened sooner. Um, naturally I, head to the internet to do research because not a lot of people know about this. I don't have access to a lot of people who do it. Um, all I know is I'm mom and I'm supposed to fix the problem. So, <laughs> so my initial thoughts were, um, the first thing was, okay. Um, you know, I've had, I know some people, my, your grandmother included tried melatonin, had some success. Um, that's the first thought because that's usually where a lot of people who have sleep disturbances go keeping in the back of my mind, you're 20, you're in your twenties, your early twenties, right. you are not, so you are supposed to be able to stay up and, you know, like even work your late shift 
and function the next day. Like this is not normal for a, a, a young man your age. Okay, so there were a couple things. So first one was, okay, maybe melatonin's a thought, not knowing you know, how that's being produced in your body and what's really happening. Um, I know your schedule was a little irregular, but still, I, I wasn't convinced. Um, and then I thought, well, maybe, um, as you can see in the background, you're in a place where it's dark. Maybe you need some supplemental light, you know, like you and I talked a little bit about like people in Alaska need UV lights. It's dark. It seemed like um, winter lasted eight months this year for some reason. I don't know mm -hmm. why. I don't know if that, anyone else feels like that, but it just seemed like winter kind of drug on, even though it wasn't super cold, like you said, in December. So that was another one of my initial thoughts. Um, and then we hit February and I was like, you clearly need um, something different in your schedule something to look forward to and, um, just more of that mental, um, vacation, you know, that's, yes. I know you already did your podcast. It was probably one of my favorites to listen to because it was my favorite. It was awesome. I, yes, I knew you needed a break. Like you've been, you know, you went to college, work those crazy hours, work those weekends, and then you got to the point where you needed a break. And so I think that was also important. Um, the other theory I started going down was, I don't know, you sent me something and it had to do with, I think it was when we were kind of researching our Neanderthals about um, sleep cycles didn't used to be based on an eight hour, um, uh, like, you know, the, the people who hunted, the people who gathered their food, they woke up more frequently. Their bodies woke them up because they needed, you know, whether they were hunting nocturnally or whether they were hunting during the day. And so I was like, I don't know. It seems like maybe for some reason, your body's waking you up. Maybe you're, maybe you're not the carbs you are consuming. Maybe you're not distributing them. So then I started thinking, oh, well, maybe you should be eating more foods closer to bed. Kind of like when you're feeding a little one, you know, right. as, a, as a parent, you try to feed them so that their tummy's full before they go to bed. Right. And so then, something you know, like that too, that I, that I'd kind of thought about like the biphasic thing or whatever is because food uh, used to be a lot more scarce, especially for those people. So that, you know, their bodies probably were like, that probably wasn't something that was natural. It was probably more of just an adaptation to the environment they were in. Like their body said, okay, if we're going to keep living, you need to get up and find food. It's kind of more right. so and why I gonna, think that was happening. If you're going to kill a raccoon to eat it, you need to be awake when the raccoons are awake. Right. Right. I mean, so yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily feel like our, our eight hour sleep thing is necessarily like a bad thing now. I just think like there were, there's evolution, evolutionary changes that kind of were responsible for that stuff, I guess. Right. Right. And sometimes our bodies go through phases where we adjust our sleep. When you yourself were, it was an infant. Uh, you, I didn't sleep eight hours because you, you woke up then too. So right. <laughs> um, your body does make some adaptations as to, you know, what kind of sleep you need. Um, and then finally, the last thought um, was, you know, you and I talked about, okay, there's really not a lot of resources and not a lot of people who know about um, the dietary changes you've made. Hmm. And we talked about, yeah, definitely. Yeah. We talked about maybe looking at the alternative medicine doctor. And so, you know, I don't know how much you want to get into that, but yeah, I'd I like thought to maybe, touch on that. Just let yeah, I thought people know like each of my things I mentioned. So there were five of them that I thought like, so you tried melatonin, right? Yeah. Uh, one milligram and a, I forget the word for it, but it's slow release over the entire night. It's basically how it works. Okay. Like they make ones that are just instant to like help you uh -huh. fall asleep. Well, this was like in theory to kind of help me stay asleep. So a milligram of that. Uh, I tried it 
I'd try it just before going to bed. And then I'd just, because I don't really like consuming products, basically mm -hmm. um, manufactured items that uh, I would just only take it if I woke up. So I tried it in kind of both scenarios. And there were some nights I would take one to fall asleep and then wake up in the middle of the night and try taking one more. Cause that, that's a, that's the smallest dose you can get. Some of them are like 10 milligrams. That's the ones people take and you hear them talk about being groggy and stuff like that. So yeah, I tried it in like a couple of different combinations and that didn't, it, it would help me go back to sleep a couple of nights, but then probably after about, I don't know, four or five days of using it, it didn't do anything for me. So, okay. uh, um, so then I feel like you have to take it away then before you try something else. Because yep, if you keep is, taking that, then you don't know if something else is going to help. So you stop yes. that, right? So yeah, yeah, this is this is something I've kind of tried to explain to people too about, you know, because I've always been very involved in science. Like I took pretty much the hardest science classes you could in high school. Uh, my college degrees, science-based, like I just have a really good understanding for how science works. And so I was this was like kind of on another topic, but I was talking to Dylan at work about, cause he was like getting kind of strung out about like uh, his weight or whatever, like fluctuating a lot. And I'm like, okay, how science works is you got to have control variables. So I'm like, you got to weigh yourself at the same exact time every day on the same duration of your fast. Don't consume any water or food before. Like these very, there's a lot of variables that are going to mess with this. I'm like, uh, you know, depending like, do it on your most stable days. So probably the days you work because you're not training or doing as much of that stuff um, as you would be during the week. So yeah, that's something that's definitely important for people to understand. If they're going to start experimenting, you know, trying to improve their health and lifestyle, whatever's if something like if one thing's not, well, there are certain scenarios where you want to do combinations of things, but yeah, if something's not really working. You might as well just eliminate it and keep as, your control variables as low as possible. Right. I agree. Um, and then we kind of look, well, we talked a little bit about the carb distribution closer to bedtime. Did you do anything with that? Like yeah. to eat a little later? Well, so that wasn't carbs necessarily. I think at that time I was still pretty much like fully ket ketogenic still. Cause I remember okay. I came up there and I, it was like, I don't know, eight or nine o'clock and or, no it was about nine o'clock I think and I'd usually been done eating around 7 30 or so but uh I think you made burgers and I ended up sleeping really well that night so you were like okay maybe like that's when you started like theorizing on that um yeah, yeah I tried that for I don't know probably okay so before I made more changes I probably tried that for like a week the problem I found was I would it would kind of upset my stomach. And I think that's because I didn't give my body enough time to, you know, start digesting it before I went and laid down. Well, your bot, you know, we're used to digesting food standing up like this. So laying down, I think that gave me a lot of upset stomachs, stuff like that. I remember one, one night I woke up in the middle of the night with stomach ache and in the morning I would kind of just have some stomach pains and stuff. So yeah, I didn't really feel like that was the best option either. Okay. And then um, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the alternative medicine doctor. So um, I know I brought it up a couple of times and you finally decided, all right, I'm going to give it a try. I mean, at this point, um, 
I know you called me one very early morning and I remember sitting here in the living room and like, I could just hear kind of the, the I don't know, just the tone of your voice was concerning. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, just like defeated at like, what do I do here? And so that's when I think you'd finally decided, all right, I'll give this a try. Um, tell us a little bit about it. What happened? Yeah. So I went in there and the first visit just kind of, you know, letting the doctor know, uh, what's been going on, whatnot, and, you know, all these changes and stuff I've been making over the last year, uh, explained to him that I'd pretty much just finished the 75 hard program. And at that time I was kind of thinking like something with the exercise about how hard I just went into all this fitness stuff was messing with it. Um, but I was hoping to get some blood work done and, you know, kind of see what was going on under the hood. Hopefully that would lead to something that, you know, been causing these sleep disturbances and at about that time too I had start started getting a lot of muscle cramps uh usually while I was sleeping so I'd wake up in a ridiculous amount of pain and my calves would just be completely locked up and I would have to like fall out of bed um and then kind of like stand up and just try and get them to go away stretch it back out uh, so anyways, first visit went pretty well. Uh, he made a, you know, he was very concerned about my work schedule. Um, he said, you know, in however many years that he had been a doctor that he hadn't really ever seen a, a situation where that had worked out uh, long-term. Because uh, I don't really know if I have to explain this or not on the podcast, but work weekend nights, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, into Monday morning. So I'm on, and that's 12-hour shift. So 5.30 to 5.30, I'm working. And then I come home uh, Monday and sleep till about 11. And that makes me, you know, well-rested enough to get through the day, but tired enough to where I can fall back asleep at, like, midnight the next night and sleep till, like, 8 or 9 the next day. Um, Which I had done the first three months of, starting all this with no issue. And then once, you know, December and all that hit, uh, that's when I started having the problems about getting back onto that schedule, basically. Um, so yeah, first visit went pretty well. Uh, he said, you know, he sent me to get blood work and, um, you know, since I had been fasting everything anyways, I just left straight from the office, went, got that done. That way it was in as soon as possible. So I think the next week I'd went and or pretty much after that, I went and spent time up at the farm or whatever. And, uh, kind of same situation. You would leave for work or whatever. And I would hear you leave for work basically like I was already up. Um, so then I finally got the, the blood work back. Um, I guess before I get into that, yeah, the all alternative medicine portion of it, they're not real big on prescribing medications, uh, to treat issues like this, these lifestyle issues, um, which was kind of more up my alley. Um, cause you know, like I'd already mentioned, I'm not real big into pharmaceuticals or, uh, just consuming anything that's not really evolutionary consistent for humans to be consuming. So yeah, basically next visit, um, got my blood work back and he's kind of pointing out some, I guess you call them markers on my blood work about areas 
I guess they're his areas of concern or whatever. So like, for example, one of them was my blood sugar. Um, my blood sugar was, I think, 83 on the panel and the low end of the range was 84. Well, if you know anything about a ketogenic diet, your, your blood sugar is consistent pretty much throughout the day. So you don't get any spikes from consuming sugar or carbohydrates, any of those things. So, you know, there are situations where like a, a ketogenic will have like a, let's just say a blood sugar around 100 and they'll hold it around there consistently throughout the day. Um, but my blood sugar is just on the lower end. So it's sat, you know, at that low level pretty much all the time. Uh, one that's, you know, pretty obvious, whatever is my vitamin D, it was like, I think the range was 30 to hundred or something like that. I meant to pull up my blood work too, but I forgot, but I'm not going to get too much into that. So yeah. And it was at the bottom. I think it was 30. Um, so what my vitamin D was. Um, and then kind of the big one, I guess, was like thyroid, uh, and specifically, uh, TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone. So if you, I think the range is like 0.5 to four or 0.5 to three and a half, somewhere, somewhere around there. Um, and I think mine was like 3.5, right? Somewhere around there. Yeah, on the higher end. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't ridiculous, but on the higher end. Um, so what that, that marker basically means is that if you're on the low end of it, so like a 0.5, your thyroid is underactive. And if you're on the higher end, like I was, your thyroid is overworking. Um, so there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff that can cause this. And uh, it could, you know, it can end up leading to autoimmune disorders like uh, Hashimoto's is kind of what he was hinting at, you know, what it might be an early stage of for me. Um, yeah. So anyways, I didn't really know how to take that. I mean, it was not really what I was expecting to hear. Um, yeah, but it wasn't like cancer or, you know, any real disease, I guess. So I was right. kind of happy about that, but yeah, I kind of like hinted at some questions while I was in his office and, you know, he just wasn't really real open to answering anything I asked or taking on any of my ideas until I signed the piece of paper, basically saying I was going to give them $7,000 before they even did anything. Yeah. So that's kind of when I keyed in on to, yes, they may not be pharmaceutical salesmen, but they are 100% supplement salesmen. And that's kind of what their whole operation was based about. Um, let me get you to sign on to all this. You know, we're going to change your life or whatever. And uh, we're going to sell you a fuck ton of supplements. <laughs> so, And we're yeah. going to threaten you with a predisposition to Hashimoto's that you've never heard of. Exactly. Right. That's the scary part. Again, another time when you bring me the paperwork and mom gets scared, like, oh, like I've never even really heard of that or that, you know, that isn't anything in our family history, you know, yeah. like, and what was the first thing I told on? you? I don't remember. I don't have an autoimmune disorder. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Yes. Yeah. I don't have. A, yeah. Um, and I guess, like you said, the whole point of going that route was hoping that somebody would say, Hey, you've made these dietary changes let's take a look. I mean, we, the, the biggest problem was we probably should have like invested in some lab work when you got started. 
but not yeah. knowing where this was going to go. We didn't do that. Right. So like if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking about doing a ketogenic diet, I would strongly suggest you get someone to do your lab panel. Yeah. But, I, uh, I haven't thought of the title for this podcast yet, but I it's going to be something along the lines of I fucked up. I fucked up. Or learn from my mistakes. We'll put it a little cleaner. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, so at that point, remember, we kind of talked about when you were here and I looked at the lab work and I was like, like my mind's going, okay, well, $6,000, you know, like six, 7,000, whatever it was like, that's realistic, but is it necessary? And then like, did he, did he take us, you know, like how bad did, where did your labs used to be? And is this now an improvement of something that was horrible because of, you know, you were. 150% bigger than you are now, you know, like all these changes. And so it was really hard to go, okay, are we, are we actually at a point where we've taken labs on an improvement or is this something that's getting worse? And so like, at this right. point, I don't even know, you know, like part of me is like, well, maybe those should be repeated. And the other part of me is like, I don't think they gave me enough information other than for both of us to keep digging deeper. I think, Okay. I feel like, yeah. So and do you so, want to, well, yeah, let's talk a little bit like, um, so I kind of put these out of order. Um, okay. well, Let me, first, give me just a second to pull them up. Is that what you're wanting? Is the notes? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. Let's look at the notes because, and then I don't know if there's a way you can like tag these. Maybe they, we could just put this into your notes. But so like, we didn't really talk about the UV light because we didn't really do it. Right. right. You didn't, we didn't go that uh, route, I did some was, research, but I was thing that confused me was like the ones they sell is like red lights they're just regular ass light bulbs that are red tinted yeah. they're not actually uv it was really just, hard to find a uv one i threw it up there because it was one of those like oh these are my thoughts right yeah um but so what this did for me anyway was got me like thinking about okay so something's going on that's causing your body to wake up you saw a little bit of improvement from melatonin but what's going on and so I started learning about some of like body chemistry and I'm just scratching the surface here. Your body is such a complicated, hmm. you know, complicated, but perfect uh, system that can really control itself in a lot of ways that I don't even think we even have a, a, a tiny understanding of really what's happening. But right. one of the, there were a couple hormones and a couple amino acids that really like caught my attention based on what I knew you were consuming now. And so the first one I listed here under number one, I'm going to say it, or I'm going to butcher it. So that's why I really wanted it in notes, but it's, I think it's tryptophan. Okay. And it's found in a lot of carbohydrate foods, a lot of dairy foods, and a lot of eggs. Um, there's some other foods there are, there is some in red meats, but like, these are the things that you had kind of eliminated from your yeah. diet because initially before you were having sleep trouble and I don't, I asked you, but I don't remember exactly when you cut out eggs and then you'd kind of stopped putting cheese on things. And like well, you had at least decreased the dairy. Yeah. Uh, no. yeah, because yeah. so for me, the concerning part about dairy was it's super easy to overconsume. Um, sure. Sure. so like all the cheese and stuff, I, uh, I was having, I mean, I could, I'll pull this up in a, li a little bit later so I can like hint on the stuff I've changed, but yeah, I was eating, uh, like four eggs a day and then 
like about two cups of cheese. Yeah. And the other thing about cheese is there are some, like, you don't know how it's always processed. And so you really have to be careful reading the packages um, yes, that there could be hidden sugars, hidden, you know, preservatives, that kind of stuff too. So anyway, those things had kind of gone, the, 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 the tryptophan foods had been gone from your diet. And this is an important amino acid that our brain needs to convert to serotonin. Yeah. And so serotonin is our happiness hormone, like everybody's favorite hormone. How do we get it? It's, it's our feel good hormone, right? The one that makes us happy that we release when we exercise, when we do good things. And that hormone is then needed to produce melatonin naturally. Okay. So I was like, oh, so this has taken a drop and he's waking up because his body isn't producing its own melatonin. Okay. And then the second one was tyrosine, which is found in chicken and meats. And at this point, um, yeah, I'm sure there's some other foods. I don't have a, you know, an all encompassing list here, but this particular amino acid aids in the production of epinephrine and norepinephrine, which are our like alerting hormones, the ones that give us energy and make us go. If you've ever watched a, a, a doctor show on TV, they're like oh, push epi. That's the one that gets you moving. Okay. Yeah. So, so you have this one hormone is down that helps you sleep and one hormone that's up that helps you go, 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 putting your body yes. into full alert. And so I'm going to guess, and I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but when you woke up, you were awake. Oh yeah. Wide awake. Yeah. Like it was no awake. like groggy morning. Like, oh man, I got to get up. It was like wide yes. open eyes. Like, holy shit. Here we go like put your feet on the floor, it's time to roll. And so I do think like, at least on the brain level, I believe these are, these are secreted by the pin, pineal or pineal gland, but I'm not. Pineal I'm gland, not, yes. It's yes. The, I think it's the single most responsible uh, part of your brain for hormone production. Yes. So we're talking now we're dealing with levels of things that like even lab work isn't going to show. Okay. Like you can't just go in and check your serotonin levels. Yeah. How your you brain can't is working. Take, yes. And you can't take a serotonin supplement. Like it's just, you have to find natural ways to produce these hormones. Then yeah. once I reread your lab work, I listened to some other, you know, you sent me a couple doctor, um, you know, people who had a little more understanding of um, lab work the emphasis on that thyroid being overactive makes perfect sense in that your blood sugar is super low. And so, which that typically happens, even in diabetics, in the normal population, your, your blood sugar drops at night or it's supposed to. And then, um, we need extra, um, cortisol to increase your blood sugar and over throughout the night your cortisol level um, is low and it gradually increases as you start to wake. Yep. And so, yeah, that's basically what wakes you up, right? That's what wakes you up. Yeah. So we have no melatonin to sleep. We have epinephrine and norepinephrine firing in our body. And now this cortisol is trying to help control our blood sugar. And now we're really awake. Yes. But we also feel like crap, <laughs> yes. you know, and we have no feel good hormone in us. So yes. I will say system. Another, so two points. So another thing I learned from Andrew Huberman too on his podcast was that like cortisone and testosterone are always in this like balancing act, basically. They're always fighting each other. And I feel like 
you know, like no energy or like, like, I just feel like that's something I was like kind of talking to Dylan about or whatever. I'm like, dude, like, I don't really know anything about testosterone or anything. I had mentioned, like, I wonder why so many people are, uh, like getting on TRT replacement therapy, uh, or like why we have these, I mean, we, we've talked about it too before, like people have like these all time lows or whatever. Um, and so I kind of have like this, this hierarchy of things and like health things in my life. And it's basically sleep. Number one, water, number two, nutrition, number three, exercise, number four. And then there's like some minor things below that. And, you know, like cumulatively, like as a society, we get really shitty sleep from, you know, all kinds of environmental factors are estrogen, you know, producing scents that we have in our house or on our mattress, um, all the screen time, phone time, all these other distractions that we have that are really disrupting our sleep. Um, and then the other point I want to make was I'll mention once we get into like the solution, to all of this, uh, basically like who's responsible for giving me this information. Um, but I heard on a podcast today with two people I listen to quite often, um, that like that, uh, like the, you, you'll hear in the ketogenic community, like about talking about all the, the mental clarity and how much energy you feel like you have or whatever. Cause you don't get those, uh, like the insulin dumps or whatever from, from consuming carbohydrates that might make you like tired after you sleep or after you eat and stuff like that. Um, so he was theorizing that for humans, basically our goal, the big picture is for quick energy, find carbs, like evolutionary, like that's the number one thing we've been focused on is finding quick bioavailable, uh, easy to digest energy. So if fine carbs is the big picture, um, then the state of ketosis, why we have that, is basically for survival when we can't find carbs. So um, after hearing that, and you know, after all going through all this, uh, one of the things that I kind of see, you know, the ketogenic state for now is like uh, it's a tool basically, uh, and not so much like a lifestyle. Uh, because the other thing he mentioned was like it's super easy to get re- religious about food. And you'll definitely see this. I mean, obviously, like probably the most obvious one is uh, like the vegan community because they're so, you know, hard pressing and hardcore. And a lot of it's like some of that woke bullshit and whatnot. Um, but yeah, you'll see it with keto, carnivore, paleo. I mean, whatever your diet is, there's these people that are like super like, if you don't do this, you're, you know, you're not one of us. Um so yeah, that definitely like changed my perspective on looking into all of this. Um, because yeah, I kind of, you know, I wasn't like super hardcore, but the, from what I had learned and the effects I'd seen on my own body, I kind of felt like this was how we were, uh, designed basically was to run off fat sources. Uh, when really it's like, you know, what, you know, you and I talked about ancestral living on our last podcast and, if you need energy or whatever, what's the quickest source to get it? And that's basically 
naturally occurring carbohydrates. Right. Um, so yeah, that was just some interesting stuff that I had kind of just recently bumped into and I jotted down. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So basically, I guess, should I get into like what I found? Yeah. What happened? Okay. So yeah, I started watching, you know, YouTube videos. I love YouTube. That's the only form of television I watch basically is YouTube. And I found this channel called Carnivore MD and the guy's name is Paul Saladino. And about, I don't know, two or three years ago, he wrote a book on the carnivore diet. Um, and he saw, you know, he, he tried several different diets, whatever he actually does have, uh, or did have an autoimmune issue. Uh, something with his skin, uh, you might be able to help me with the name. I know I've seen TV, TV commercials for it. Uh, psoriasis? Psoriasis, yes, that's what he Yeah. Did. Didn't he also have something with his hair, too? A hair condition? Uh, possibly. I don't really I remember think so. that. I thought I remembered hearing that, too. But anyway, okay. Yeah, so I found him. Um, so, yeah, he was real big on the carnivore diet, uh, so much so that he wrote a book over it. He started basically spreading the message of the carnivore diet. You know, it cleared up his psoriasis. Um, but before before he got on the carnivore diet, he you know, he was paleo. Like, most of the time, he was in college, I believe. And then uh, after he became a doctor, he was like a hardcore raw vegan. Um, but yeah, that's, he started seeing a lot of negative health, health issues from that. I guess he, I think he found, uh, the Joe Rogan podcast with Jordan Peterson on it. And that's what caused him to dive deep into, uh, the whole carnivore diet thing, because, uh, Jordan Peterson also had, you know, some, he had an autoimmune issue that the carnivore diet cleared up. Um, you know, his depression went away from it. He just saw like a lot of you know, these things that are really hard to take care of in our society, uh, just vanish just by changing what he ate. So yeah, he did that for about a year. And then he started having, uh, heart palpitations, uh, some muscle cramps, um, and his sleep was super erratic. Uh, he looked at his blood work, whatever, and his, thyroid was actually on the opposite end of the spectrum as mine. I think, I think his was around 0.5. So, uh, his thyroid was underactive, um, which I did do some, a little bit of research on that. And like your thyroid will become, or it can become overactive and then underactive because basically it's worked itself to where it can't work anymore. Um, he's so a little kinda, older than you. Yeah. He's a little so older. And he did yeah. the, I mean, he was in about a year, whereas I was in about, you know, three months when I started having the issues. So his potentially could have been uh, where mine was. And then on the opposite end of the scale, hard to yeah. say, but anyways, that made me start thinking it was about, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night when I'm watching this video and it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I think it scared the shit out of me because I finally kind of figured it out um, and realized like, holy crap, I'm kind of killing myself. I mean, once your thyroid doesn't work anymore, you're basically dependent on a medication, you know, uh, in theory, if you can't change it naturally. So, um, didn't really want to be in that situation. So that night, uh, I was, I was waiting till the end of the video and then I was gonna go to Walmart and get some berries because in my mind, berries would be, uh, the most evolu 
evolutionary consistent uh, source of carbohydrate for, you know, someone of my, how do I put this? I guess a white guy, big white guy in the wilderness. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to find bananas or oranges or any real like citrus um, or tropical type fruit uh, where I'm ancestrally, you know, consistent with being from. Um, but, you know, I've watched a lot of hunting videos and stuff like that. Um, and they're always talking about how good black bears taste when they're munching on uh, blueberries, like in Alaska and Canada. So I was like, that'd probably be a good one to start with. You know, I've found a bunch of blackberries in Missouri. I don't even remember how many I had last year, but I had two several giant bags of blackberries. So I knew that would probably, you know, make a lot of sense. Um, and then uh, I kind of, you know, I, I started with those two, but then I was kind of like theorizing on some more, some more berries. So I ended up trying uh, strawberries and raspberries too, just because I figured they were pretty similar uh, as far as, you know, digesting and metabolizing as those other berries would be. Also, these berries are lower in sugar than most things like a banana or an orange or an apple. Uh, so I thought that might be, you know, something better to focus on because I didn't really understand. Uh, you know, I hadn't had any sugar for six months at this point. So I was kind of skeptical of like overloading on it. So I was going to start small with that stuff. Those berries have like a lot of fiber and stuff like that. Uh, but they're really rich and stuff like, you know, vitamin C, which there's a lot of controversy over vitamin C, whereas uh, there's a couple studies coming out now that if you, you know, don't consume carbohydrates, it doesn't really seem like you need vitamin C. I don't know, but it's something I had zero of. Um, before consuming these berries. So, uh, have, you know, more than enough of that now. Um, a lot of other, you know, micronutrients that I wasn't getting. Um, so yeah, I started eating berries for about a week and I was just kind of eating them like intermittently. And I wasn't, you know, I slept good a couple of nights, but I wasn't really seeing like big changes. So, um, and I was probably only consuming like one or two cups of berries a day at that point um which is you know i mean kind of like a normal serving but i'm a big guy um with a fast metabolism and you know i'm very active and stuff like that so they probably weren't doing a whole lot for me so then i tried uh a banana again because i thought you know maybe i just need something that's a lot more uh you know a lot more sugars a lot more i mean it's a lot bigger than like a cup of berries so i had two bananas one day and i was the sickest i ever been i mean without actually getting sick like the stomach pains were absolutely terrible so um yeah that was you know i'd talked about that on a previous podcast where i had tried a banana again um just wanting to try fruit uh to see what effects that would give me but yeah bananas and me do not jive um so as i dug more and more into uh paul saladino's you know research and findings and all that he goes into a lot of detail about understanding plant toxicity. And I think this is something that's very important because obviously there's, you know, someone might only eat, you know, beef or pork or chicken, like your common meats, very, very low number of uh, variables there. I mean, they're, you know, you don't have a lot of options really. I mean, on a, on a normal diet, I guess. Uh, 
you know, there are some people that eat any and every meat. I'm not that guy. I kill raccoons and bobcats and squirrels. And I don't, you know, I don't really always eat those. Um, so yeah, but there's a lot of different plants. And so this is kind of a, a very complex issue, but the most highly defended parts of the plants are the roots, stems, and seeds. Um, that's the ones that, you know, you'll see where they grow thorns and spikes and all these other, you know, defense mechanisms, basically. And I know I've talked about this before, uh, talking about, like on our game plot episode, uh, just diving into all the plants and stuff we were talking about with dad, that uh, defense chemicals are pretty much the number one way a plant protects itself. Uh, whether that's becoming more weed resistant or trying to not get eaten by animals um, or overtaken by other plants. I mean, this is how plants have evolved, it's basically produce chemicals so that they're not messed with. So yeah, he has basically like a scale uh, for plant toxicity. And so the best, you know, most nutritious and easily metabolized and digested for humans starts with fruit. Um, so yeah, I think he, he kind of eats more of the like tropical citrusy stuff. Uh, so he, you know, bananas, and pineapples and stuff like that. And he does really well on that. Um, but I'm kind of too scared from what happened with banana to really try anything else. So I've just been sticking with berries. Um, but yeah, uh, things, you know, I wouldn't, I don't really consume any vegetables. He's super anti-vegetable. I, uh, I don't really know enough to cast an opinion on that. I definitely think uh, wheat, corn, and soy are absolute no-goes. You couldn't pay me a million dollars to put either of those in my body now, um, just because I know what all goes into producing them, uh, you know spraying Monsanto all over them and modifying the shit out of them so that they're able to grow each year. And they're just not something that's evolutionary consistent for humans to uh, consume. We've only really started consuming that stuff heavily in the last 200 years. Um, so yeah, anyways, I mean, that's advice I would give to someone is just get a, get a good grasp for uh, plant toxicity uh, I would stay away from, you know, those three things. If you wanted to try like know, tomatoes or, you know, some greens and stuff like that, he's super anti on it. I don't really know that it's going to do too much damage for you. It's a lot better than eating McDonald's. I know that much. So, uh, I wouldn't really fear that. Um, but for me, I, it's, you know, it's about being like healthiest possible and I'm not perfect on it. I mean, He's super anti-seeds and seed oils. I still put pepper on my burgers. Um, I drink a cup of coffee first thing every day. Like, I'm not perfect on it, but um, something he says a lot too that I also agree with is that like any conscious change uh, in your diet is like a good thing. Like if you're being mindful about what you're consuming, you're on the right track. Even if you don't, you know, you don't have the best plan or you're not necessarily consuming like the most optimal things. At least you're not consuming garbage basically, or as much garbage as you would be just mindlessly stuffing stuff in your pothole. 
so yeah anyways the first week i didn't didn't really see that many effects whatever tried the banana got sick and i was like okay i really need to go heavy on these berries so i got it i got it written down uh somewhere how much how many berries i was consuming so yeah it's i'll eat about uh nine ounces of blueberries 12 ounces of raspberries um you know these aren't like exact numbers because some days i'll mix up which berries i eat like i won't eat all four and some days some days i'll just eat two or three or sometimes i'll have a little bit of each one um about six ounces of blackberries and that's now that sounds like a lot of fruit um but basically um you know the sugar and all this and fruit is what i've learned like not something to fear which is something i feel like it's kind of been another sole lie like how the grain industry was um that yeah that, like fruit is dangerous and clearly it is not i've been uh doing this for probably about a month now and uh, my sleep is tremendously improved i have no issues anymore i'm basically back to i wouldn't even say i'm back to normal i'd say i'm better than i was before i even started doing any of this um a lot more energy uh you know i i do get like a little bit tired sometimes after i eat now uh probably from that insulin spike um but it's not anything i'm real concerned about um yeah i don't have the muscle cramps anymore uh i'd talked about too previously that i have had heart palpita palpitations over, I don't know, a couple times the last year. Maybe like there's an electrolyte issue or something. I, I don't really know. Um, but I don't, I haven't had any of those since doing this. Um, yeah. So I just kind of feel, I'd like to get your opinion on this, that I like overused ketosis. Yes, I would yeah. say so. It's not meant for um, long-term, um, like you said, it's, it's a natural body mechanism that even some people go into ketosis at night when they sleep, yeah. like it does, people's bodies move in and out of it, but um, it's not a natural state to be burning um, fats for fuels at all times. Um, something I know, I don't know if you talked about this any, but Dr. Saladino, am I saying yeah, it correctly? Saladino. He, um, I, a part of my research, I looked into a little bit of his stuff on blood sugar, and he actually had um, a company do a continuous glucose monitor on him yep. to where he wore it. You know, I, I forget how many days in a row it was, but um, what he was looking for was to see what happened to his blood sugar when he consumed berries and honey. And he would have, I don't remember what you, I think it was around a hundred was his baseline, maybe 120. I think it was 80 something actually but he would have these natural spikes and then they would come right back down. Whereas like um, somebody who has blood sugar issues, they don't get that immediate peak and fall. And well, so, and they'll get like, they won't just have a fall. It'll go back up and back down. Like yeah, even over right. and then without consuming extra. Yeah. Yeah. Continually climb. Whereas um, he continued, like, I mean, he was kind of doing a little research project on himself, knowing that he could even check his own labs, obviously being a doctor makes it a little easier, but he was seeing those natural peaks and then the return to normal, 
Um, I mean, the only other thing is he is very active, right? He's a very um, physically active guy. But I think when you get the body chemistry right and you have the, the correct hormones, you know, you have the energy and you have the desire to go out and be active. Um, yes. But yes, I do think um, you keyed into a very important thing that blood sugar has been given a bad rap that immediately everything everything raises your blood sugar when we don't really look at our body's natural ability to stabilize our own blood sugar again. So, right. Um, that's what he's, yeah. he's really big on is like, it's not about the spikes. Like it's about the baseline. So if it drops yeah. right back down that quick, it's not a problem. Right. And he didn't, he didn't care how high the spike went. No, he went, he wanted like to go. Sometimes. He was looking for the like width of the peak, which is really interesting stuff that, you know, if anybody's listening to this, I would encourage him to kind of look it up and see, um, you know, just, just kind of take a, a, I don't know, a second look at it and see, um, I, I'm not saying, you know, like a Snickers bars, the better way to go. You know, these were natural berries, natural sugars with right. some complexity to them, that I think is important that maybe we didn't say either that, you know, reintroducing carbs again, you did it in a very controlled manner. Um, and you were very careful about your selection of what carbs you did reintroduce to your body. I still think that's key. Um, as well as, you know, like that banana may just have some like acids or, you know, something in there that's just not work working. I mean, we've yeah. talked about brain chemicals. We've talked about liver function. We've talked about the pancreas function and blood sugar. We haven't even talked about the digestive tract. Like really, right. you know, very... that's a whole nother complex mechanism that, Yes, yeah. That we yeah. really don't even fully understand yet. Um, no. Yeah, that's something we might want to get a, just a, a little bit further into is like the function of the liver as far as like, because I don't really think we touched on what it's doing for me to where like how I'm seeing these benefits. And I think it kind of starts at the liver. So I'd prefer if you like explain that, oh, probably butcher the hell out of it. Well, and I might too, but basically it has to do with your body, your your liver's um, ability to signal your body to create glucagon, which then helps control your overall insulin and blood sugar. Um, and so again, another very like complex feedback loop based on what you've consumed. Everybody used to kind of give the liver a bad rap and say it was like the oil filter of your body when really it plays an important role in, in, insulin producing hormones. Um, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot more to say on that, but just that knowing, um, the liver is also working hard to produce, to, um, help keep your blood sugar at a normal, a normal yes. rate. So, yeah. yeah, I feel like, you know, it kind of starts and this is just my mediocre understanding of it, but starts at the liver, whatever, um, the liver is not producing or absorbing the nutrients it needs um, in order to, you know, that ends up down the chain, uh, making your pituitary gland work twice as hard to stimulate the thyroid uh, in order to produce the necessary hormones for you to sleep and, you know, all these problem areas that I was having. So kind of... Sure. Liver, pituitary gland, uh, thyroid is kind of how I saw it. Yeah. Like I'm, really it has to be broken down in the, the liver and the digestive tract first. That's what I mean. That's probably where we really should have started when we started. I started looking at sleep hormones and, you know, happiness hormones yeah. versus just, metabolically so, 
happening. Yeah, it was so hard for me to really see the metabolic or metabolic flaw because like everything else was fine. Like yeah. I was losing weight still. Like uh, my workouts were great. Like you know, I didn't feel like crap like I did before when I was ridiculously overweight. Like it was just like the sleep, but I kept telling you that it's just the sleep. Like that's the main problem here. So it was right. really hard for me to like turn on what had gotten me to where I was. Um, yeah, that just goes back to not getting religious about food though. I feel like, like that was the big issue and I wasn't yeah. super bad, but yeah, it's just, you gotta be like in three more months, I could have another problem arise where I might have to adjust right. something too. Like I'm not, dead set on this stuff that's why i said in one of my podcasts like do your research and find out what works for you because there's you know we're all a complex uh mix of certain genes and you know you you'd kind of said or we'd kind of said like ketosis being a tool and maybe that's something you're not supposed to be in all the time which you're you're probably not but certain people's genes you know make may allow them to be in that state all the time without having the issues I'm having. So right. it's, you know, it's super complex stuff that we really know very little about. I honestly feel like the majority of the research and beneficial information has come in the last 10 years about this stuff. Um, which, I mean, I guess it's kind of promising for the direction we're heading, um, especially because 40% of, you know, the nation's overweight or obese right now so right yeah um, maybe we'll get to the point where we'll stop looking for the convenient drive-through eat it out of a sack grab it the fruit snacks you know all this refined sugar and convenience of i don't know um another thing i uh, kind of found too like because you know how like heart palpitations are uh, a lot of times like can be caused by an electrolyte imbalance uh there's right. this study that I think it was one of the more recent podcasts Paul Saldino put out. Uh, insulin correlates like directly with the amount of electrolytes that are absorbed by the body. So you'll see all the time people in the ketogenic community, um, you know, marketing electrolyte supplements and all this crap. So you have more electrolytes in your system. Um, but on a high fat, high protein diet, there's less electrolytes that you actually hold on to. So you might be taking in all this, you know, supplemental electrolyte sources and whatnot, but they're not actually doing anything for you. There's um, passing. Yeah. So this is something else I think people should really focus on too. Uh, like you'll see all these crazy, you know, diet guys and fitness guys and stuff on Instagram. They're eating like raw organs and raw eggs and stuff like this. Uh, there's a lot of studies to show that like cooking meat um, is basically part of our evolution because it makes it more bioavailable. Like, yes, there may be more nutrients and stuff like that in a raw piece of meat, but the part that your body is actually utilizing is significantly more uh, when you cook it. So yeah. you got to understand, you know, you might be taking in this stuff, but it's not actually doing anything for you. And that's one big point that I wrote at the top here that I want to make sure I got to is that most supplements are bullshit. Uh, Paul Saladino makes these shirts all the time, or he does all these videos and it'd be like bullshit or not. So he's got ones like kale is bullshit. Coffee is bullshit. 
uh, supplements are bullshit. Humans are not designed to take supplements. Now, if you're an athlete or whatever, and you're looking for most top tier premier performance or whatever, maybe supplements uh, are something you want to utilize. But another thing we don't really realize is that athletes are not always the healthiest specimen in the world. They might look incredible, but bodybuilders die at 25 and 30 years old. Uh, you know, football players and stuff, their brain doesn't really function sometimes after they've been hit. Uh, right. You know, we've got to quit looking at some of these people as the premier for health um, and more so just, you know, they're good at what they do. Um, yeah. But yeah, for sure. Supplements are bullshit. That's, that's going to hurt a lot of people's feelings, but I kind of feel like it's the truth. Mm-hmm especially from, you know, realizing, uh, like the doctor and stuff I went to, uh, how big they were on pushing all of that. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a long way to go to eat $6,000 worth of berries and honey, don't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd calculated it. I think, you know, that's something that's another point I want to get into. And I almost forgot to make the note of it. Um, is how kind of expensive my diet is now, you know, meat, is through the roof right now you know we have all this inflation and stuff like that so it's making it even more ridiculous um yeah so it's just meat berries and honey i guess i kind of forgot to mention that i'm consuming honey now too but uh organic raw unfiltered honey which is you know top tier stuff as far as meat uh i don't really do the whole grass fed grass finished thing um there's there's some, also some research on that backing that like beef because of the way they digest food, it's not really as essential for as it would be for like pork or chicken, um, which I'm, I'm going to get into like exactly the amounts of everything I consume here in a second. Um, but yeah, so to kind of combat that cost, I know I've talked about before, like building a really good team around you whenever you're taking on big endeavors, like these lifestyle changes or, you know, starting a podcast, whatever. Um, do you want to talk about kind of your little operation you have going on at the farm now? Oh, you mean the bee operation or the, the bees um, and the, the berries and all that? Well, um, since so, so none of it has a name yet, but <laughs> since it's since we don't, um, you know, have an entire building project going on this summer, we've gone a little crazy with planting, like we like to watch things grow and things turn green. And I think it's again, cause you know, we need spring. Um, but yes, we've um, taken some steps to plant multiple bushes of berries, um, blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, I believe is what we have. I don't know exactly. I've lost count of how many are planted now. Um, we've planted multiple fruit trees um, and your dad, is um, now becoming a bee farmer. <laughs> I don't know, is that the bee, is that the word beekeeper? Beekeeper, I um, believe. Beekeeper, yes. So um, his new pets should be here um, next week, I think. Um, 10,000 bees, right, in a queen? 10,000 bees, yes, or a swarm, I think is. A swarm, okay. I'm still learning, a swarm, yes. Me it too. has a queen and all her workers, um, and he's been working hard to build them um, their new homes. And then um, we're also planting lavender. I don't know if that should be on there as well, but yeah, yes. That's so, estrogen inhibiting and all of that. We're not, yeah, well, we don't but support that. 
we don't support that right yes but um we are definitely the lavenders for the bees too um and i did did i say strawberries yeah, yeah i mentioned yeah. strawberries too. you forgot blackberries so there were a couple blackberry oh. bushes and then we have a lot of naturally occurring blackberries yes. as well so and we've made sure to keep those separate so yeah yeah so yeah all the berries i consume and honey only thing right. missing is uh the beef and pork i guess there's at least venison there is there's yeah venison is in the yard almost every night this week so yes when the oh, season awesome. rolls around again you can fill the freezers but yeah so we're hoping to you know just um produce some of what we consume more here versus um lose, giving that control to the supermarket so we'll yeah. see um and then you know exactly how it's being raised and all of that right. and whatnot. uh which yeah couple i guess i forgot to mention uh the cost of it or whatever i think when i was in florida i figured which there's might have been a little more expensive i spent like 12 dollars a day on fruit so i what was that yeah that's four thousand three hundred eighty dollars um plus you know my honey lasts the jar of it's like 15 bucks and it lasts about a month so what is that 50 cents a day so another 180 dollars on that so uh like forty five hundred dollars is the total yearly cost of adding this stuff into my diet which is you know still quite a bit less than the seven thousand dollars the doctor wanted plus all the gas i have to spend driving all the way there and i don't know if there's supplements and all that bullshit were including the cost and i don't remember but yeah so still a hell of a lot cheaper Right. And I guarantee most medical conditions cannot be managed for $4,500 a year. So, well, that's the thing too. Yeah. That, that was a start. Like who knows how long it would have gone on. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I give medical professionals like a lot of crap on this podcast a lot of time, I feel like, but also there's guys doing good work like Paul Saladino and, you know, yeah, and I think it's, it's important to look for the people who are willing to kind of balk what everybody else says. I think that's the thing about um, yeah, and not be afraid Dr. to Sutton. say they were wrong. Like he was strict sure. carnivore, and he's like, "Hey, this isn't right. Like I'm having a lot of issues." Yeah, and I'm not saying that you won't ever need a medical doctor in your your in your lifetime, but you definitely want to make sure you ask the right questions as to um, like their philosophies and their um, what their treatment protocols are and what they understand. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah I think you can't if be an gone, expert in everything. No, and I think if you'd have gone to um, most mainstream, you know, primary care physicians, they would have given you some kind of medication to, they would have wanted you to try a sleep aid, you know, it would have been all pharmaceutical. That's what would have happened. And then, you know, as well as a doctor saying, I want you to spend $6,000. Oh, and by the way, you need to quit your job because that's really the problem here. Yeah, All I, things are pointing back to it. You need to quit your job, but you need to pay me six grand. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. That was the other thing I guess I didn't really touch on. He was he said yeah. the job like needed to go basically because there yeah. was no, he'd never seen it work, but yeah. Right. How am I going to quit my job and pay you yeah. $7,000? Right. So. Uh, and, s- s- go know. ahead. No, that's okay. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So just one more note or whatever. I, I think the only other one I had uh, was like uh, another thing. So like Paul Saladino, uh, his testosterone, like, 
increased like 300 points or something like that too uh, when he added the fruit back in. And so he felt like another interesting marker to look at, which a lot of people don't, is uh, free testosterone to cortisol ratio because uh, so on keto, it's pretty much been shown that testosterone drops uh, like Sean Baker is another, uh, he might've been one of the first actually for the carnivore diet, um, which is not, he's another doctor. Um, his is around like 200 and the normal range is like 400, uh, 1200. His is like super low, but he, I don't know. He's kind of, I mean, I feel like his intentions are good, but he's kind of like religious about it. Um, so he'll try and like explain that and whatnot. Um, but yeah, uh, one other thing, uh, like if you're diabetic, um, you may see as far as like ketosis, you may see like, uh, improvements in the short term or whatever, but like what we're talking about here is basically like the long-term effects of keto. Um, like, like we said, like this is for, we're mostly talking in, you know, metabolically healthy individuals, whatever, not people that already have prior disease. Yeah. Um, so that kind of leads into uh, one of the questions I wrote down, which is, uh, do you think carbohydrates are essential? Because, you know, there's a lot of debate on whether or not, you know, obviously proteins and fats have uh, specific roles in the body. Um, and Pete, there's several people that have survived for you know, their whole life on a ketogenic or carnivore-like diet. Um, so yeah, I was just wanting to get your input on if you felt like they were essential. Well, that was a question for me. I didn't know if that yeah. was like an audience question. No, that's um, for you. I do, I, essential for, I'm going to qualify it for saying they are essential for optimal health. Um, I think you could survive, but um, as we talked about in the very beginning of this, the, where the quality of your life living on just, um, proteins, you know, keto, whatever we want to call it, um, was not sustainable for typical function. So could you live like that? Probably. Um, but the quality of your life was really taking a toll. Like you just, and the, the small introduction of some complex carbs has made, you know, tremendous gains right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think essential for optimal health. Sure. Here's one thing I've wondered about too. If, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the theory now that like the, the fine, quick, easy energy thing that Paul Saladino had mentioned, like fine carbs is kind of like how we're wired or whatever. Um, but I've also wondered at the same time, if you had never introduced carbohydrates into your diet, would you still be wired like that? Because, you know, here's the other thing I, I've considered too, is that, so like milk is also considered like a superfood because it has like a perfect balance of protein, fat, and carbs. Um, and that's something we all come into this world consuming. But are you talking like, um, like unpasteurized, unhomogenized milk, like straight from say a mother or are you talking about? Yeah, that's about, what like, I'm referencing. Oh, like we, okay. you know, we pretty much all come into this world on carbs. So I guess it, it'd kind of be hard to yeah, like make that assumption uh, to ne never having carbs. Cause that's pretty much important. nearly impossible. 
Yeah, nearly important or nearly well, like, impossible. My mom consumed car carbs, so I consumed carbs. So then you can say, you know, like to be able to break that would be nearly impossible. That's so a, this is uh, a very complex issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, one thing, the, the last thing I had written down, I don't know if you have anything else, but I wanted to share like what my diet looked like. No, um, no. go for it. So I made some comparison charts or I took it from my app, but made it some collages. So on the left is keto and on the right is now. So I guess the, what he calls the diet now is like an, an animal based diet. So I'm still consuming super high fat, uh, animal products. Um, and technically the medical definition for low carb is anything under 40% of your daily intake. Yeah. I don't know how the hell you consume 40% carbs unless you're eating like pasta all the time. Bread, cereals, like really. That's a, a lot. Like I consume, I mean, that's a, if people didn't understand the numbers I threw out, that's like three full-size boxes of fruit a day like that's a lot yeah but I think when you don't fully understand if you don't use this and actually look um by the way this is um what's the app it's a great app we should, uh, we should my fitness pal my fitness pal super free got almost every food in there like I think it's a fantastic tool and it really um it opened my eyes to how horrible some foods I thought were okay that's like, the best, best way to use it. Because what I will say is you can really develop an unhealthy relationship with food. If you're religious about tracking everything you eat every single yeah. day, this is great, a great tool for learning, learning about macronutrients and what's in what and how it affects you basically. Um, yeah, but like I, I want to make that point real quick that I don't track my food every day. Um, I don't track it ever. Actually, I had to download the app so I could put these numbers in. I used yeah. it in the beginning uh, to learn and as a tool. And then I realized, you know, after listening to some podcasts and, you know, every now and then I didn't always treat my body like probably how I should have um, because I had some goals and I was trying to lose weight, stuff like that. So uh, I probably wasn't, you know, doing everything hundred percent the healthy way. So I just deleted the app. Um, and I think we can fall into a guilt trap if we do have a day, you know, that's the important thing to recognize oh. here is if, if it's somebody's birthday and you're having a piece of your child's birthday cake, tomorrow's a new day, you know, like you're, that'll go away. Yeah. Like there's like, a need to document that you wanted a piece of birthday cake, but at the same time to look at, like, I used it to look at what I ate in a day, especially during the week when I worked, um, when I'm away from what I consider quality food. So it was anything I packed or if I stopped someplace and I was like, oh, wow. Like really, um, I had no idea how much, how many carbs I was consuming before lunchtime. And I'm yeah. like, well, how? Because yeah. that's the thing too. Like, yes, while carbohydrates are not something to fear, there are a lot of bad carbohydrates like it's really hard to find bad fats and bad proteins but carbohydrates you can really find a lot of bad ones um so yeah just making sure that what you're consuming is a nutritional carbohydrate and not crap yes uh but what i will say too like a piece of birthday cake or whatever um you know i i would never probably ever eat a piece of birthday cake again um but that's not to say someone shouldn't uh i right. think 
you know, I just, I do not ever want to be as unhealthy as I was before. And so something like that would just, you know, I don't see any benefit for it for me. Um, but for some people like the emotion, their emotional relationship with food, I, you know, I don't really see a problem with that. Like if you're, you know, pretty straight and healthy most of the time, if you want to splurge on something like that, I don't think that's an issue at all. Um, I kind of gave Stacy crap about it one day. And I think she got kind of mad about it because it was the same situation. She went to a party where they had cake and she's like, I really want a piece of cake. And I was like, weak. <laughs> that's all I said. Matt, <laughs> I it, you're worse than the uh, MyFitnessPal. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. Like it'll just throw up fucking numbers. If you don't understand them, I guess it's really not that mean, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So I yeah, think no, it's more about shaping your lifestyle and, you know, yeah, like a healthy lifestyle, healthy relationship with food. That's really right. the goal. And understanding here. the purpose of food versus, you know, like what upbringing you had and what food meant. Um, you know, there's some cultures that food is all about a celebration and a, a gorgement to the point that you can't move. And then there's, you know, the extremes of people who would get hung up on this. Oh my gosh, my, my macros are all out of balance. And, um, I think part of it is just recognizing. Yeah. That's something I will say too, like, this is just, uh, even when I was in keto, like these are just ballpark numbers that I would like consistently like, you know, run into. This is not every day. I a hundred percent eat off of how I feel. Um, so like on the one on the right, uh, I just did it for like today. Um, I added in like a cup of blueberries or like a half cup of blueberries on there, uh, that I might eat like after dinner, because like, I know that, uh, the honey is like the honey really stimulates hunger for me. Um, which is kind of good for consuming as much protein as I'm trying to get. Um, just for like a healthy muscle building recovery, you know, all that. Cause I'm still lifting weights pretty much every day during the week. Um, but yeah, they're not exact. Like if I'm not as hungry, I probably won't eat those blueberries later. Or, you know, if I can't get, you know, that's, there's four, I'll, I'll pull up the, I guess I kind of talk about, I wrote it all down, but it's not on here. Um, what, so I'll just read this off for anyone that's listening. So keto was 69% fat, uh, 234 grams, uh, 225 grams of protein, which was 30%, and then uh, 1% carbohydrates at 7 grams. So eating like that, that was about 3,000 calories. Um, so I, had, I was having two cups of coffee at that time. So it was about like a cup of creamer, uh, sugar-free creamer. Um, four pieces of sausage, 10 pieces of bacon, four eggs, two cups of, uh, mozzarella cheese. Uh, that would be one meal. And then eight ounces of chicken and 120 grams of queso, which is like, I don't know, about a half a cup or something like that. It's not really measured. So now I'm at 55% fat for 209 grams. Uh, 22% protein at 186 grams and 23% carbohydrates at 201 grams. That is one cup of coffee. So about a half, half cup of creamer, uh, blueberries at nine ounces, raspberries at 12 ounces, 10 pieces of bacon, six pieces of sausage, two tablespoons of honey. That's the first meal. And then my last meal is, uh, four 85 
uh, 15 burgers. So uh, 15, right? 15% fat is what that would mean. Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. 85, 15. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, four tablespoons of honey. I pretty much use a tablespoon of honey on each one. And uh, I don't know if I said the blackberries, six ounces of blackberries or not. I don't know if I said that in the first one or not. But yeah, that's basically what that is. And that's about 3,400 calories. Um, so yeah, I'll pull up also. One thing I want you to see, see if you have any input on it, um, is like the nutrient breakdown of that. Did it come up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's basically just the ones I already read off. The one thing that interests me now is that I basically eat the same amount of meat. But my cholesterol is way lower. Because, you know, people make a big deal about cholesterol all the time. And look at your sodium count. Um, yeah. Like if you, I mean, the numbers to the right of, like my numbers on the left, the one on the right is like my fitness pals, like targets or whatever. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I never went off any of that, but. I would say though, just from like what I know, like that sodium level would be a lot healthier. You know, that right. cholesterol number would be, you know, quote unquote, a lot healthier. Yeah. And then I'll pull up. There's a couple more. What's the difference in your mm -hmm. fats. Yeah, your fats are about the same too. Um, yeah, I mean that's. I feel like fat is a little more optimal fuel source to run off of. Uh. So that's why I've kept it so high. Did the first one include the eggs? Yes. It was okay, four, so four eggs. But not no eggs anymore, right? No, I don't. Yeah. That's so, your that's your change in cholesterol. Probably. I don't know how much cholesterol is in one egg. I don't either, but I would assume that's your that's the big drop in your cholesterol that, that they've marked. I don't know what the difference in sodium would be unless it has something and you're not eating the queso anymore, right? You're eating. Yeah. I don't even think there was that much sodium in that. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure without looking at it and knowing, is it the exact, you know, brand kind, whatever. Um, Here's the other big one. You probably missed the sugar one. Most people would see 130 grams of sugar and like lose their freaking mind. Right. But we know what kind of sugars it is. So yes. I, I yeah. God sugars, the good one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So now we're, we haven't gained any weight and we're sleeping. So yeah, before I had made the switch. And before? Uh, so before I started adding the carbohydrates again, I dropped down to mm -hmm. 169 at one point And then I, I got back up to like 173 and I was kind of holding around there or whatever. And now, after adding the carbohydrates, I'm at consistently pretty much 170 pounds every day. And I'm really just trying to stay there because I don't. But I'll say that's I got probably, abs and yeah, <laughs> I got, yeah, I don't need to be much skinnier. Right. Uh, let I me pull up the micronutrient one too. Yeah. Or you're going to need even more new clothes. Yeah. 
No, yeah, that's ridiculous. Sorry. Oh, nope, I pulled up the right one. So yeah, there's like the vitamin C. It's at 150 now. The vitamin A is a lot lower though, which is, I don't know what to think of that. What would have had all the vitamin A, the eggs? Yeah, probably. Here's the thing. You can, on this animal-based diet, you can still have eggs and like raw cheese. Um, just I, eggs, I'd never digest very well. They always kind of upset my stomach. Um, yeah. And then I'm not real big on dairy. And I cut the, the reason I cut like the cheese and stuff is because it would have sent the calories through the roof. Like I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have gotten as much fruit in is I'm comfortable with like intaking now. Like I almost feel like the more fruit, the better. So yeah, yeah I would rather just trade off those carbohydrates for berries instead of cheese. Um, that was another thing too. He said my iron was high. And I was like, uh. Red meat. Well, he said like, that's always not necessarily the case. It's like, I, it wasn't even that high, I don't think. He said it's very yeah. common for males. Yeah. They're lucky I'm not like throwing their name under the bus or anything. If anyone wants to contact me and ask where it was so they stay away from it, I will gladly share that with them. But right. that place was kind of a joke. Or if anyone hears this and has someone who better understands, you know, I'd love, I mean, I'm, I'm not opposed to hearing a different opinion. I'm just not interested in a supplement salesman. Yeah, same here. So, uh, did you see yeah. the potassium was like, I mean, I don't know what their range is really, but like it says it's closer to their range. I would think that's better too there. And yeah, that could be your cramps, you know, that could be. Right, right. That's, so, yeah. yeah. You know, and Cal I got to thinking about that take the potassium taking me, you know, to the cramps made me think about the, um, when you were talking about the, the changes in the heart palpitations, the, um, the epinephrine and the norepinephrine being out of check with could also have increased and nobody, I mean, I know before you started this, you saw a cardiologist, mm -hmm. you know, that was definitely a, a mama scare. Right. And I just wonder if like, there was already some imbalance going on there too, with all the other, you know, complex nutritional issues. And then, um, yeah, there's possibility. I mean, yeah. right. Well, all right. That's pretty much all I have. You got anything else? I don't. It was a lot, um, a lot of information. I hope, hopefully information. somebody, hopefully somebody hung with us this long to, you know, yeah. hear all of this. And if anything, it helps them dive a little deeper into what they're, they're thinking. And, you know, um, to know, I guess that, um, optimal health is always a continual search and yes. listening to our body is key. Like just knowing what's, you know, something's not right. Um, and maybe who knows, maybe we'll dig a little deeper into the research in um, digestive and gut health and we'll have a little more to share because yeah. I do think that some important keys and knowing what's going on. Um, I think the more, the more we understand about our bodies and the way our body uses the fuels we give it is super important. Um, so this has been yeah, fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I will touch on that real quick. Uh, one thing I had mentioned before talk about how I eat now, like why I started drinking coffee again, just because on you know, pretty much a meat-based diet was really hard to go to the bathroom. And that's also another improvement I've seen uh, from adding the berries in. It's like every day, same time now. So that's yeah. much. Yeah, the gut microbiome is a very 
complex thing. So maybe we should dive into that on you know, one of these next ones. But thanks for. And I do. Uh, oh, go oh ahead. I have one more. Yep. One more. Yeah, I do think too. Um, as we alluded back to in the beginning of it, um, that adding that sunshine, you know, Absolutely. increasing those hormones, and um, just having something to look forward to, and um, you know giving ourselves that time is also key. Like I, you know, I've said that all along, there always has to be a reason to move forward and a reason to look to something. And I think um, also that trip was perfectly timed in the midst of trying to figure all this out. So sunshine's Absolutely. always a friend in, in small yes. doses. Yeah, yes. we can tell that Casey was that like, in small doses. Well, yeah, cause she got fried. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, you know, something I've been, it was like really hard for us to come back here. like. Both of us kind of went through like a short little depression stint. We're like, God, Missouri weather sucks. And like yeah. the fruit here tastes like crap compared to the stuff in Florida. Like yeah. anything around the sun, like just makes you feel so much better, especially when you're doing fun stuff down there like we were. So yeah, I would definitely Good. encourage that for anyone else too. Yeah. Getaways are important. Good for our mental health and our body. So, all right, that's it. All right, cool. Thank you. Thanks. Very bye bye. See ya.